0: not many of us spend much time thinking about death. It's not a topic we like to pursue, but there comes a time when death pursues us. None of us have immunity, nor do the ones we love. And it's at that point, in that moment, that it suddenly becomes very important to have an answer to the question, what is the truth about death? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hey, it's fantastic to have you with us for another week of Signs of the Times Radio, and I have on the line from the Sydney region Pastor Lloyd Grollemond. How are you, Lloyd? I'm really well, thanks Kent, and I'm glad to be here with you today. Excellent, excellent, fantastic. Now, look, some of you who are listening may know Lloyd, and if you don't, you should probably check out his website, aussiepastor.com. Uh, you could also search for, um, you know, Aussie Pastor on Facebook, on
1: YouTube, on Hope Channel, and is your show still playing on Channel 10, Lloyd? It's intermittent on Channel 10, to tell you the truth. COVID-19 slowed us down a fair bit, and we've been off for uh, a few months, mm-hmm. and we may or may not come back on, I'm not sure.
0: Okay, all right, all right. But obviously, you've, you've been there on free-to-air TV and are likely to be there again at some point, but I understand you're reaching more than a, a million people each week. Is,
1: is that accurate? That's a huge statistic. Well, actually, the truth is it depends how much money we're prepared to spend <laughs> to get the program out there. But yeah, through COVID-19, a minimum of 1 million, sometimes up to 4 million a month, not a week, a month. Uh, a month. Um, I was just looking the other, other day, actually, at our facts and figures. Just on Facebook alone, we've reached over 20 million people in the last three or four months. That is huge. Yeah, it is big. It's well. It's not Australia-wide though. That's worldwide. It is big, but there are there are other ministries out there much bigger too. And we <laughs> hope through the grace of God to be able to get our message out even further yeah. into the world. Uh, this is really interesting
0: because I mean, you you come from a, in some sense, you know, you come from a family of pastors. You know, your dad was a pastor. Your, your granddad was a pastor. But both of them were also like tradespeople. You know, they worked with their hands. They were sort of practical guys who you know worked on the land. You know, didn't didn't mind get, getting a bit dirty, it's interesting to have that mix, you know, that sort of practical side and and that sort of spiritual faith side. How, how do you make that work?
1: Actually, I'm laughing at that because my grandfather was probably the most impractical man ever to put his hand to a playoff. He was very impractical. My dad, though, something happened with him. Yeah. He was incredible. He is a master tradesman. Mm-hmm. Very, very good with his hands. And then you get me. Mm-hmm. I was, well... I've got my tech guy here, hunty in the control room next door. If he could talk, he'd tell you how practical I am. And it's not a good story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I I thought you were, I thought you were a builder at one stage. Yeah, I was a builder, but I pretty much worked out very quickly that my hands, in other words, my skills building were not that good. So what I did was I actually went out and hired people to do the building for me, and I got into the negotiations and working deals out and stuff like that, and that kind of worked better for me than actually on the trade itself. But you know what, my dad, you're saying how did it work in? My dad, because he was a practical man, taught me how to work at a very young age and mm. so I've always had that work ethic which I think has, has stayed real solid with me through my life
0: mm-hmm. Yeah well I mean working as a pastor I mean it, you know some people might think oh it's pretty slack or all you have to do is you know a, a, an hour chat on a weekend but <laughs> but obviously there's there's a lot more to it and one thing I'd really like to focus on today if, if you're okay with it Lloyd is the, the particular responsibility that you have as a minister when someone says to you you know what my dad died, my mum died, our child died you know, um, You know. Granddad died can you come in and take the funeral for us? This must be tough uh, do you find it tough or, or is it a, a rewarding part of, of being a pastor?
1: I, I find it fairly tough, it, it is rewarding when you see the comfort that God can bring to people but right from the beginning, in fact one of the very first things I ever did Kent when it came to ministry, I remember I was an intern I just got out, maybe days out and one of the families in the church that I'd been sent to as a youth pastor, I'm not sure how I ended up going visiting these people, but they had lost a little fella. And he had gone out onto the veranda, down the stairs, through the fence, and down to the dam in the backyard, and had drowned in the back dam. And these were Christian people. I remember going to them and I remember putting my arms around them and saying to them, well, oh, look, you'll see this little fellow again and I remember the grandmother actually screaming at me I, I don't want to see him again in the future I want to see him now and that was not really my first introduction to the hurt and the jagged pain that death causes people and if you've had death visit you a friend or a relative or someone you love you'll know how awfully painful it was so yeah it, it, it's, it's rewarding to bring comfort but comfort's not always that easy to bring Ken and mm.
0: The dark days of death. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, listeners, uh, about the audio issues there. I think we've sorted it out now. Are Are you there, Lloyd? Yeah, I'm here. Great. Yeah, you know, it's sounding much better. Look, that, that is a, a really, you know, tragic story, a, a heartbreaking story. And I, I hear what you say about that, um, that, that jagged pain. Um, and that must be, you know, one of the worst funerals, you know, to preside at or to support a family through, you know, where it is the death of, of a young child. So when, but you must have been to a number of different funerals. You know, some funerals are more of a celebration of someone's life, you know, if they've died at a, you know, a ripe old age or whatever. You know, there must be a, a lot of diversity there. What what have you seen in terms of, you know, the emotional tone of funerals and how people cope and, and that sort of thing?
1: You know what? You talk about old people dying. Yeah, it, it is a celebration a lot of the time when you go to their funerals, but there's still so much pain. mm I've been to many old people. In fact, I've been to more old people's funerals than young people's funerals or, or mm. middle-aged because obviously we die usually in our culture anyway at an older age, usually. But it doesn't matter whether they're young, middle-aged or old, the pain is there and people, how do they cope? If you've got God, you turn to God. Mm. Mm. In fact, I've never seen anyone who hasn't got God not turn to God at a death. But if you haven't got God, you know what? A lot of the time, can't you don't cope and mm. you will go through a very, very difficult mental experience as you go through the jagged experience of the death of someone you love. In fact, I'll go even further, and I know I'm a pastor, and I speak from my perspective, and you could say my bias, but I have no idea how people cope with the death of people they love or even their own death mm. if they don't have God. Yeah, yeah. I find it really interesting, Lloyd, that in,
0: at public events, you know, it might be, uh, for example, when, if a football team, you know, wins a premiership or something, you know, their, their captain will, you know, will get on the, on the mic in the stadium and, and they might invoke some, you know, previous great of the game or some coach who, you know, died recently, who everyone really looked up to and they'll, they'll say, you know, Roscoe's looking down on us right now and and he's smiling. You know what I mean these these are yeah. often quite secular minded people, you know, or people might feel that you know they have a parent or someone close to them who died and they have a sense of their presence with them. It's interesting, isn't it, that in such a secular culture as Australia is, this sense of you know some sort of presence or or of the the departed still being present in some way seems to be quite a, a strong idea.
1: Yeah, it is, and I, and I think it's because we're actually created spiritual. Mm. We are all created spiritual. And, and the other thing is, and I think a lot of us miss this, we were actually created by God in the beginning to live forever. Mm. So death is this foreign enemy that invades itself into our space and in our life. And if you look at our culture, we try to avoid talking about death, dealing with death. Mm. You don't even have open casket funerals here in Australia generally because we don't like death. Mm. Uh, our cultures are a little bit bit different than us. But yeah, it, it, it is amazing that we do kind of have this spiritual instinct almost in our relation to death and you do you see it in secular culture all the time Mm
0: -hmm. and uh, look we we have an article in in this month's signs of the times magazine you know entitled when all is not what it seems and and it sort of kicks off by saying you know all of us have this experience of driving down a road and seeing this cross you know this memorial of someone who's died in in a road accident and look there are a few around my place and even like you know 10 years afterwards there are still uh, people you know bringing flowers to that site, and you can see it's being refreshed and looked after. You know, this it's a real sort of precious thing, isn't it, to, to remember those who, who we've lost, those loved ones we've lost.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think we should. In fact, I think part of the healing process of getting over somebody who you love has died mm. is – being able to remember. In fact, I encourage people, don't don't try and blot this person out of your memory, out of your mind or, or out of your experience. Remember and cry and weep and go through all those experiences you must go through when you're mm. losing someone you love. It's all a part of being human and it's important.
0: Mm-hmm. Now Lloyd, as you know, the Aussie pastor, you're, you're very frequently you know, cracking open a Bible and seeing what the Bible says about this I understand you, you can be a little bit impatient with um, you know, human opinions and human wisdom sometimes you, you like to know what the Bible says So what does the Bible say a- about death?
1: <laughs> it's a good question And the Bible does deal with death In fact, it deals with death really from the beginning mm-hmm. of the story you go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you got the Bible dealing with death. But the place I always like to go to is Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5, 6, and I also like verse 10. <laughs> Excuse me. i got a little bit of a cough, a sore throat. It's not COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't believe it until you've been tested, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've been tested. It's actually I've got a bit of a thyroid problem. So oh, it's, it's
0: no good at hear all. Me cough. Yeah, you You so don't have to rush so, so, so Ecclesiastes. This is written by King Solomon. You know, one of the wisest people who ever lived. What, what did he have to say about death?
1: Well, this, I always like to go here because it actually pulls the curtain back and tells us immediately what happens to us after we die, and it's very clear. Mm-hmm. Five for the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing. Mm. Have no reward for the memory of them is forgotten. And also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. So the Bible says here when you die, you know nothing. That That can be a bit confronting. For people, but verse ten even follows it up more. It says, "Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going."
0: Mm, wow,
1: I find that really interesting. It sounds like the writer of Ecclesiastes
0: is saying that when you die, that's it—no no more consciousness, no more awareness, no no more plans—and it even uses the word nevermore. more." Will will they have you know a role with anything that happens under the sun? I mean, that that sounds pretty final. So are you telling us that the
1: Bible tells us when we die, that's it? Well, it is for some time anyway. In fact, I'll go further. It's like having an operation. Have you had an, ever had an operation again? Yeah, yeah,
0: I did a couple of times when I was a kid,
1: yeah. Oh, uh, well, I got my new replaced not so long ago. And, you know, when you have an operation, you, you kind of go through the experience of death because you go into a, a total unconscious state. You don't know whether you're alive or dead or you know nothing. In fact, I remember I was talking away to the nurse, and the next minute I'm in recovery, and I'd gone through three or four hours, didn't know I existed. Well, that's an example, a little window in the experience of death.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's not
1: the end. No, it's not the end. Okay. All right. So what, what does the, future, the Bible tell us about that? Well, maybe I can take you to 1 Thessalonians, and I've got to find it here in mm-hmm. my Bible, chapter 4. Mm-hmm verse, and I love this passage of Scripture. To me, this is one of the clearest passages of Scripture. In fact, even before that, if you go to John chapter 11, you ever heard of the story of Lazarus who died? Yeah, oh, I, I didn't
0: uh, John Howard um, release a, a biography called um, Lazarus Rising, or well, <laughs> someone wrote about it. It, it, it. It's a word we hear quite often, about, you know, Lazarus and rising and this sort of thing, so it, like, gives, give us the thumbnail sketch, what, what's the story?
1: Well, the story's found in John chapter 11, and I know we haven't got time today to get into that too much, but go and read it. So, mm. for your listeners, go and read John chapter 11. You're mm. gonna, you're gonna see Jesus' relationship to death. First thing in John chapter 11, Jesus do, does is he identifies death as a sleep. Mm-hmm. Just like, like Solomon says, you go, there's nothing. It's mm. a sleep. Mm-hmm. You're not in heaven. You're not in hell. You're not halfway between. It's just a sleep. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and if you've, I've seen people die of cancer and all sorts. of it's a terrible disease. It's a beautiful sleep. Mm. It's a sleep of peace. It's a sleep where there's no pain, and you sleep waiting for Jesus to come. And so mm. in, the, in the story of Lazarus, he dies, and Jesus says, hey, to his disciples, they say, quick, let's go back, and you can hear Lazarus. And Jesus says, hey, stop. Lazarus is sleeping. And the disciples go, well, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. And then Jesus says, hey, listen to me. He's not just sleeping. He's dead. Mm. So Jesus equates death with a sleep. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is really consistent on this, Ken. Mm. Never anywhere are you going to go in the Bible where you're going to find or read or see that after death you go to heaven, hell, or purgatory. Mm-hmm. And that's just not biblical. You can go from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. The Bible is so clear on what happens to you after you die. You go to sleep. But what happens, Jesus came and resurrected Lazarus. I often wonder to myself, well, why did Jesus resurrect Lazarus? Well, he resurrected Lazarus, I reckon, for one reason, and one reason only, and that was to show us that he can do it. Mm-hmm. He can resurrect, and and that might not mean a a big deal to you until you are facing death yourself. I can tell you, when you are facing death yourself and you've come to the end of the road in this life, it is the greatest I've seen it over and over and over. It is the greatest comfort in all the world to know that Jesus, the one who resurrects, is living in your heart and Mm. he's part of your life. Mm. So this is what happens. Shall I read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First Thess- Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. By the way, Paul the Apostle wrote this. He's mm-hmm. one of the most prolific writers in all the Bible, and he writes to the church in Thessalonica because it's a brand-new church plant. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. New church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These people were pagans. They had no idea what happens to you after you die. They heard about Jesus. They're excited. They joined the church. They hadn't dealt with the issue of death, and they started to die off, and they're freaking mm-hmm. out. Mm. And he hears about this, and he says, oh, oh I, better, I better straighten this out. And so he writes this letter to them, and this is what he says about death. For the Lord himself, verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 4, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And then he says this, and the dead in Christ, these are those who died loving Jesus. Mm. Jesus was their saviour. Mm. The dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So what happens is Jesus is going to come back. Mm. That's the great hope of the Christian church. It doesn't matter whether you're a Seventh-day Adventist, a Presbyterian, a Protestant, a Catholic, a Pentecostal. We're all looking for the return of Jesus. He's going to come back. Mm. It's going to be very visible. And the very first thing he does when he comes back is he resurrects those who died who loved him. So there's resurrection. Hmm. And then together with them, we rise up in the air. Where do we go? John 14 makes it very clear. In my Father's house are many mansions. We go back to heaven where we'll live with Christ. Wow. And that's the beginning of eternity. Well, wow. you make it
0: sound, you know, really clear, Lloyd, and you bring out those sort of key Bible verses that all link together to paint what seems like a really clear picture. But I guess I'm aware, you know, looking around the world, that look at the major religions. You know, Hindus and Buddhists, you know, believe that we've always existed and will always Exist in some, you know, reincarnated form, perhaps until we reach some sort of unity in nirvana, but will continue to exist. Most Christians and, and Muslims believe that we'll spend eternity either in heaven or hell. This sort of idea of unconsciousness and sleep doesn't really seem consistent. I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble putting this together. Are you saying that the majority of people around the world are actually wrong on this
1: point, at least to a certain extent? Well, I am a Christian. I'm a Protestant Christian like mm. you are, Kent. Mm. I think you make a call in your life on what you are going to base your life on and where you're going to find truth. Well, I made the call. Mm. I'll find truth in the Bible. And so I go, I'm I'm pretty, I don't know whether the word's rigid in this. It's probably not a good word in the <laughs> 21st century to use, but I am rigidly biblical. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Even to the point, now you're a Seventh-day Adventist, Kent, like me. Mm. But I take the authority of the Bible even above my church. Mm. And so if I see stuff in the Bible and it makes sense and I can understand it, I have learned to accept it because the Bible is just this amazing book. It's where I met Jesus Christ,
0: Mm.
1: who is my saviour. So it means a lot to me. And I put my trust in the authority of the Bible to unpack what my future is. Now, For the Hindus and the Muslims, I can't really answer for them. I know a fair bit because I actually did a degree in religion, so I know a fair bit of where they come from and Mm -hmm. how they came to their conclusions. I I just don't accept them. Mm -hmm. Respect them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I respect them, but I don't accept them. With the Protestants and, and Catholicism, I have no idea where or why They say that after death you go to heaven or hell, or in the case of Catholicism, where my own family comes from, actually, Mm. you can go to purgatory, some in-between place. I I, I don't know why they say it. I think you better get a a Catholic priest or a a Protestant pastor on board and ask, because it doesn't make sense to me. The Bible is so consistent and it's so clear that when you die, you go to sleep, You'll sleep for a little while until Jesus comes. When he comes, he'll wake you up, and he, you'll wake up into eternity. In other words, you won't wake up old and disease-ridden. Mm. First Corinthians 15, 51 to 54, read that if you get time. Mm. That talks about how when you're raised up, you're raised up. Perfect. Designed for eternity. Mm. And so, yeah, that, that is the Bible story. And you can look Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. I keep saying it. You will not find another story. Mm. You'll not find another story in there when it regard, in regards to death okay okay so I mean I guess uh, you know some of our listeners
0: might be thinking well look pff, you know what does any human being really know about what happens after we die I mean the, the reality is that when we do you know fall off the perch or you know whichever euphemism you, you want to use we're going to find out pretty quick you know if there's an afterlife or not we're going to find out pretty quick if there if it's a conscious or unconscious sort of situation so well, why not just you know wait for it to happen and you know keep an open mind up up to that point I mean is are there any implications in believing about death, you know, this way or, or that way, you know, the,
1: the biblical way or, or another way? Well, there's a couple of things, and, and I'm noticing this more and more. There's this thing called the occult, mm. and that's this idea that I can talk to people after they die. That's, that's one aspect of the occult. Mm-hmm. So I can go to a, a seance and talk to someone who's special to me who's died, mm. and I get contact with their spirit It's extremely dangerous, Mm. and this is where I think it actually does matter, because if the Bible says after you die, you actually go to sleep in your unconscious state, and you go to a seance, and I've talked to people where this has happened, it's kind of on the extreme boundaries of what we're talking about now, but Mm. this is kind of the danger, and you have a spirit appear who looks like your mother, who sounds like your mother, who knows things that only your mother and you do, and yet... If you you read the Bible and if you believe the Bible, your mother is actually, she's passed away, she's dead, she's asleep. And yet here's this spirit being in the form of your mother, then my question is, who is it? Hmm. And I think that's where it starts to get really dangerous. And spiritualism is what I call this sort of experience, the occult. is becoming more and more prevalent in our culture and our society, and it's really, really dangerous. The other thing for me is, Like, my grandmother died when she was 101. I I wept and cried so long. Mm. I I missed her so much to this day, and that was back in 2004. I don't know whether I like the idea of her being in heaven looking down at the pain and the misery and the heartache and my challenges with Mm, sin and temptation and everything else. I kind of like the... I like the Bible paradigm that she's gone to sleep and she's waiting for Jesus to come. And together, if I'm alive when Jesus comes, she'll be resurrected, and together, her and me, will rise up into the sky to be Jesus. We start our walk into eternity together, mm. and I like that. And it, again, I, I point you back to the fact it's the Bible story.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow! And look on on, on your point about um, you know the the occult and, and that sort of thing. I, I would direct our readers to the the section in in the article in this month's Science uh, magazine that I. I Mentioned before, the section called the Pretenders that you know explores that that idea perhaps a, a little further. Well, look, this this is re- really fascinating, Lloyd. We we have to finish now, but just one quick question mm-hmm. bef- before we go. I mean, you you as a pastor, I guess, would have had a, a lot of you know experience in you know, comforting people going through grief, you know, bringing out these verses in in the Bible to to offer comfort. Can, can you give any advice to you know, listeners, perhaps, who are looking to comfort loved ones? I mean, is, is is this the right time for a Bible study on on the state of of the dead, or is is there a, a better time? You know, wh- when's the right time to share what the Bible says uh, about death and, and the afterlife?
1: Well, look, I'd be very careful about sharing it at a funeral. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. People are in pain. It's probably not the time. Look, it could be. Look, my greatest advice on all of this, when's the best time? Mm. There is no answer for that, Ken. Yeah. Here's my answer. Know Jesus Christ. Mm. Have a born-again relationship with him, which means that every day you're you're calling, you're calling, you're asking for the Holy Spirit to come inside and to possess your heart and your mind and to be your leader, your guide, and your teacher. Now, mm. if you have a born-again relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit, oh, no, this is not a cop-out answer. Mm. And it's actually the truth. Mm. The Holy Spirit will tell you when and how to share. Mm. That is the key to sharing comfort. But at the very least, put your arms around people, let them weep and weep with them. And when the Holy Spirit provides the opportunity, it could be at the funeral. Usually the Holy Spirit hasn't opened it up for me at the funeral mm. too much, other than being the part I can share a message, of course, from the front, And that's a, yeah, I can do it. But I'm, I'm talking one-on-one now. Yeah. But when the Holy Spirit opens up, the door for you to share, and you will see it walk through and share the beautiful comfort of a Jesus. Look, he is coming again. I I don't just say this. I actually really believe it. I will see my grandmother again. Hmm. I'll see my best mate, Nigel, who died when he was 26. I'll see him again. I'll see my mate who died on a motorcycle. I'll see all these guys, men and women that I've lost, and I'll see my best mate, Franklin, again. Hmm. And I'll see him because I know Jesus, I believe him, and as he says in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I have the keys to death. And
0: I believe that. Wow. No, that's, that's fantastic. Hey, thanks so much, okay. Lloyd, for, for your time okay. this week. Re- really, really appreciate it. And, uh, I, I would uh, encourage our listeners to, you know, if, if you've, you've heard Lloyd's passion, if you've been moved by, by what he said today, you know, his biblical knowledge, his down to earth approach, by all means, check out the AussiePastor.com website. Check out, you know, some of his talks there, you know, that, you know, he, he does at the New Hope Seventh day Adventist Church in, uh, on Sydney's Northwest Fringe and, and also so just, you know, just YouTube, Facebook, exclusive stuff. We really appreciate you uh, sharing your time with us today, Lloyd.
1: No worries. Thank
0: you. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media.